Hello, humans! It's Rob here with Not A Robot Podcast, DC Comics Review Show number 140, the world's greatest comic show about the world's greatest superheroes. And with me, as always, is Brandon. Hello, everybody. And Josh. Hey, all. You know, last night, me and Holly watched three movies back-to-back, but uh, next time she wants to face the screen... (laughs) <laughs> I'm kind of so happy terrible. you You're took like over the bad the evil master of dad puns <laughs> if you were a super villain you would be like the dad pun mat. there's like a better super villain name for that I'm sure but that would be your power you just make would people it want would it pun. be the punisher oh god no <laughs> no <laughs> Uh, Moving on. <laughs> God, I know these Damn. jokes are punishing me, um, but yes, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> I used to be a pun master. Damn it! Now I can't stand it. <laughs> oh man. Uh, where the hell was I? Right. So <laughs> we are putting Brandon to the test today with uh, how we used to call him, the Flash, as Barry Allen. Uh, he is definitely oh being put through the ringer today. Um, yeah, he's in a bit of a run, rush, Barry, so we, we we are going to rush through some of his books. Uh, just to let you know, as you already know, we are all over social media with Twitter, Instagram, we're on Discord, we're on Substack. You can visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash podcast to help support us if you feel like it. And you can send us an email to comics at notarobotpodcast.com. Feel free to ask us whatever or tell us off whatever the hell you want to do we are always looking to talk to somebody new but i digress josh and i are going to handle the little bit of news we've had this week a little bit later in the show but starting off we're going to get into the books mr brandon is going to be covering for us today and that includes star girl the lost children number five not the loaf children despite what my keyboard tells me (laughs) unstoppable doom patrol number one and detective comics number 1070 and with that, Meat I loaf. hand it over to Brandon. <laughs> yes, well, as we were joking oh. a little bit earlier, the, the Lost Children are doing anything but loafing around, especially in this issue. But yes, this is Stargirl, exactly. Lost Children, issue number five, written by Jeff Johns, art by Todd Nock, colors from Matt Herms, and letters from Rob Lee. The Lost Children are continuing their assault on the Childminder's castle, trying to free the le- whoa the rest of the captured sidekicks, though they are encountering a bit of uh, difficulties in terms of uh, the clashing personalities between some of the Lost Children, namely uh, Salem, the Witch Girl, and pretty much everyone else, and uh, Stargirl has to intervene and sort of rally them to remind them that they're really there for one purpose and one purpose only over in the Childminder's castle. She is getting increasingly frustrated with the fact that the Lost Children just keep coming, and she cannot seem to have a hold on them, despite the fact that Our Man has arrived and her plan is nearly complete. Uh, but uh, before she can make any drastic actions, um, Judy Garrick, the daughter of Joan and Jay Garrick, is able to use a newfound power, uh, or a newfound skill, I should say, uh, to free herself and the rest of the lost children, thanks to some help from Emiko. Uh, and shortly after, they are able to re- reunite with the rest of the lost children who have now breached the castle properly. But before the lost children and the newly freed sidekicks can 
really have any kind of proper reunion and uh, work together to stop the childminder, Our Man appears, the future Our Man, and reminds them that he is the only one that can save them from complete obliteration. Um, are, are we doing reviews, or am I just speeding on through? I mean, I think we okay. have enough time to do some reviews. Yeah, I mean, we got an okay. hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean... Uh, really solid issue honestly i didn't have too much to say about this one it definitely felt like uh, kind of your standard penultimate issue um but it was at least exciting to see star girl and emiko have their proper reunion since they've been apart for a while on the on the island um as well as finally getting to see the rest of the freed sidekicks um and there was actually one that genuinely caught me by surprise which was um sparky the sidekick to Blue Beetle, which I didn't think anyone remembered. And I also think that character is like public <laughs> domain too. So it's a little, it was a little weird. I mean, obviously DC can use it. It's public domain, but it's a little weird to see because I figured that was just a complete forgotten one. But uh, here he is. But yeah, Sparky and, and also Secret too. And you get a little Young Justice reference, which was fun. So yeah, no, solid issue. Kind of your standard penultimate issue, like I said, but still fun and Really looking forward um, to the final issue of this miniseries. It went by really fast, too. I'll almost be sad to see it go, but, I mean, it was a complete story, so I guess I can't complain too much. Uh, but, yeah, this got an 8.25 out of 10 for me. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, I also had that note down that penultimate issues are just never as exciting as the buildup or the payoff. So mm -hmm. I, I'll cut this one some slack. It's it's still really good. It's um, it's very interesting for what we're getting. Um but at this point, I'm, I'm just waiting patiently to see how it all plays out. For the issue, though, uh, still very interesting. I, I did also appreciate those those extra characters that we got. And it's it's really fun seeing all these forgotten and new characters play together. It's it's interesting. And I can't wait to see what the hell's up with Iron Man. So <laughs> uh, 8.5 out of 10. It's been an interesting run. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, dude. Our man has an owner. He's the only one that could save the kids from complete obliteration, but I'm still picking up major bad guy vibes from this guy. Um, but like you guys, it's the penultimate issue where it's like, oh, what's going to happen next? I hope it's good. So a little bit of a trepidatious, trepidatious feeling here. But um, I mean, this one was kind of was probably my least favorite so far, but it was still a good issue. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Right on. Did I save my score? I think I did. 8.5, just in case. <clears throat> yeah, you said awesome. it. Yeah. And Owl now Man we move on over. Order. That's weird. It does. <laughs> I I mean, I gotta go back and reread all the stuff that he was in, but I don't know. It'd be yeah. interesting. I really, I mean, I know he had a series in the 90s, and I know he was, like, in the first arc of the uh, 99 JSA run, but I don't I don't remember too much else, so I also have to kind of brush up on my yeah. stuff. I was featured in DC 1 million, if I'm not mistaken, right? I, yeah, I believe so. He's a part of that, uh, the, like, yeah. nah, not Justice League Beyond, that's the you know the Timverse stuff, but um, yeah. like that future version of the Justice League, like JL yeah. One Million or whatever. Yeah, Justice Legion A. Anyway, yeah, 
Yeah, we'll yeah. see where that goes. Some interesting stuff. Uh, now we're moving on to an issue I know I've been very excited about. Unstoppable Doom Patrol number one. The next chapter in the Dawn of DC saga. Uh, Brandon, uh, if you don't mind, tell us what the hell's going on. It's looking weird. Pleasure. Yes, no, and uh, I think things are going to get a little bit weird. Maybe not as weird as uh, some people were hoping for, but, you know, weird enough, I think. Uh, but yes, this is Unstoppable Doom Patrol, very reminiscent of X-Men uh, with the, the adjective placed before Doom Patrol, written by Dennis Culver with art from Chris Burdum, colors from Brian Raber, and letters from Pat Brasseau. This is actually another fairly quick one, um, as it's divided between two stories, one featuring Monsieur Mola and the Brain, our favorite couple from... From the Brotherhood of Evil. And yes, they are a couple, as confirmed by anyone that read Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. So feel free to leave your comments saying, how could you say such a thing? They're obviously just henchmen and leader. No, they they have been in love, as has that been confirmed many case. times. Yeah, not the case. Although, yeah, not so much in this issue, as as I think they're... They're in a bit of a rocky spot. Um, but yes, it's divided between two narratives. One featuring, oh, yeah, yo, one featuring Monsieur Mala and the Brain um, over in Mont Blanc attempting to siege the castle of General Amortis, who apparently has some kind of formula that they need, um, though apparently Amortis, despite pretending to be senile, uh, has the access to it um, and uh, is... is unable or unwilling uh, to, to implement it properly for the brain. Over in Gotham City, the Doom Patrol decide to pay a visit because Gotham City, a place of many horrible disasters, is undergoing one of the worst ones they could possibly imagine, a metahuman breakout somewhere in Star Labs or something like that, although it's now broken out onto the street and the DP have been called to the scene to help deal with the metahuman emergency. Uh, they come into contact with these guys from a company called Metagen, who apparently have been working with Metagenes or trying to cure them or, um, I guess, help them understand their powers. Not entirely clear what their purpose is, but basically they Probably sort of take in metahumans for cash or something like that. Yeah, eventually. Um, and naturally the DP who are there to help this metahuman are coming into clash um, with uh, with this group. Um, but before they can really deal with the situation properly, who should arrive but Batman, seeing as this is Gotham City, alongside Robin and Jane, who is now in the personality of the Chief, has a bit of back and forth with Batman over the responsibility the DP has to taking care of metahumans and really the failure of the rest of the DCU and properly taking care of metahumans, um, especially, and, and how they should be treated and, and not um, kind of disregarded or cast off as freaks or sequestered as, you know, strange experiments and um, all that stuff. And thankfully, uh, before anything gets cataclysmically worse, Robot Man is able to level with the metahuman and just sort of bring him down to earth quite literally and figuratively to remind him um, that, you know, despite everything that's going on with his weird powers right now, he has a home with the DP, and if he thinks he has it bad, Robot Man has been in the same place that he's been and knows how he feels. And in what was probably the funniest part of this issue, he literally just says, fuck that. <laughs> Even though I definitely am not happy with 
how everything is going right now. I like my powers, and I like how they've made me better. Uh, but I will still go along with the DP because it's better than going to Arkham Tower. Um, so naturally, the DP is able to make off with this metahuman and sort of has invited him uh, into their family. Um, and Batman and Robin are just sort of left adrift, hoping that the DP can handle this situation. Cutting back to Mont Blanc, where Monsieur Mala and the Brain are having a little bit of a tiff, it might be generously called, as Mala has revealed that he's no longer allied with the Brain, but has instead sided with General Immortus, and is now turned against his old friend and even older lover, and is now sided with General Immortus in whatever evil schemes he has to come. There's also a little tease with Peacemaker and the General that I believe was mentioned in the Lazarus Planet tie-in um, Doom Patrol story. I'm forgetting his name, but um, that one is, is really just more set up. It hasn't uh, kind of revealed itself fully or um, kind of hinted at, at, at anything too great yet. It's, it's more just kind of to insert it into the series. But yeah, I don't know. This one was... I, I, I got to read it last week, and it was interesting because it was one that I was both very excited for, but at the same time very apprehensive of, because all of the synopses for the series have been talking about how grounded it's going to be in the DCU and how they're going to come into clash with other members of the DCU, and I was just like, oh my god, that sounds like the most boring thing ever. Like, why would I even give a shit? Because um, for me, that's not really the Doom Patrol, or it's not really what makes the Doom Patrol special. It's, And I'm not saying they have to be entirely disconnected from the DCU, but they've always kind of been in this weird little corner and it sort of allowed them to have bizarre and strange storytelling as is sort of their right. way. Um, and I, I think with this, it's it's weird because while it is very grounded, I think there is still a level of strange that I like, um, but I guess the best way I would put it is it's very safe. It's not bad by any means. I, full disclosure, I gave this issue an eight out of 10. Like I had a decent amount of fun with it very tightly written, um, and the, the new character, the metahuman that the DP takes in, the degenerate, I fucking love that name. That is, that is like, yeah. perfect. <laughs> yeah, Fits right, right in um, with the DP. Like, that, that felt very much like something that would have been in the Morrison run, like Mr. Nun, or, you know, the, yep. um, you know, with someone with the Brotherhood of Dada, or anything like that. But anyway, um, there, there were elements of it that I felt were perfectly strange, which were great. But I, I think it still does have that kind of continuity error, uh, not continuity error, but that, that sort of continuity tie that I hope is not too strong to the point where it just becomes any other superhero book. And that, and that for me, would sort of rob the, the DP of their kind of special weirdness. So I'm sort of... I'm sort of in a wait-and-see mentality of I, I kind of want to see how connected this is going to be. I'm not entirely against it yet, um, but I'm still not entirely sold. So I think 8 out of 10 is a very fair score. Um, and I think also a lot of that is definitely carried by Chris Burnham, who makes this book just the incredibly appropriate uh, in terms of its weirdness and strangeness. Um, and like every panel was like, oh, this is great, uh, especially the way Burnham draws Robot Man, which is easily my favorite because um, the way he did it was just like, that, that perfect representation of Robot Man where he's like, he's not pristine and polished like Cyborg or anything. He's got like kind of a gruff look 
um, which I, I always really liked. So, yeah, no, uh, good stuff here, but still kind of waiting to see ultimately where it lands. So 8 out of 10 for me. Not bad, but definitely very safe. Yep, yep. Um, I mean, I kind of mirror what you, you what you're saying. I there's there's not a lot to say about it. Uh, the story is great, and guest stars aside, it really feels like um, some old classic Doom Patrol. Man, uh, took me right back. The art works great with it too. Like you said, Burnham's doing a great job. Both of that is exactly what I wanted from this man. I dig it. I also gave it an eight out of ten. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, like that's, I don't know what else to say. Like, I think you guys said it all. Like, the art was, is uh, as fantastic as, uh, you guys say. I agree. Uh, amazingly fun title. I thought it was really interesting. Um, the other note I had was kind of tied into the news. I'm hoping this gets more than seven issues. So I will bury that lead right now. This series has been upgraded <laughs> from six to seven issues, uh, which is exciting. Uh, even more exciting for me now because I really enjoyed this. I give it a 9.5 out of 10. It's honestly really, really good. Um, yeah. 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 No, I was expecting it. to be uh, to be harsher on this one just because I, I do kind of have that close personal connection with the DP. But That's uh, fair. It, was, it was decent. Not not great, but decent. Mm-hmm. That's right. I, I don't have as big a connection to DP... Uh, as as you guys, I don't really have much connection at all. I'll say <laughs> to the Doom Patrol, uh, so I, I go in this fairly carte blanche, and and I I thought it was yeah. really cool. Yeah, well, it's funny. It's my first exposure really. to DP, yeah, as I'm sure many uh, of my of my generation was the the Dean Titans show because they have like the backstory <laughs> for Beast Boy that he was a part yeah. of the DP, and I was like, oh, that's a fun concept. And then I remember, ah, oh, it was like some some store somewhere in california and i remember they had a copy of like i i have it somewhere it's actually in my room i think uh maybe i'll send a picture later when i have the time but um it's like a copy of like doom patrol 106 or 107 or something like a classic silver age issue and i remember reading it. i was like god this is so fucking weird i love it <laughs> even even my my young weird brain so um and then you know once i get to high school i was able to to read the morrison stuff so it it's kind of been something that's always been there in my my comics reading experience so i think that's why i have that sort of personal connection right on it's yep. worth it it's a good uh good little team yeah I have, I have confidence that this is going to work out to be a pretty good series, regardless yeah. of the issue count. Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing so. about, about yeah. series we're getting, is that a lot of the writers that we're getting on these these older characters now, with books we haven't seen in, in ages, they're fans of the same books that we read growing up. So they they have that same passion for it that we as readers do, and they have that same background and knowledge base they've read all the issues just like we have so they have that that passion they have that drive towards crafting an interesting story with these characters i think that's great and i think i remember i think i remember in, reading something about chris burnham being a big fan of doom patrol so i i trust he would treat yeah, him with respect. We're, we're we're in a, like a really weird kind of generation because you you have like this 
James Tynan actually did a pretty good breakdown of of this. I'm not gonna get like too off track because I know we gotta we gotta keep moving, but it just you kind of got my mind going. Um, but we're in like I think he called it like the third or fourth generation of writers coming from comic fandom because you obviously have the first one in the golden age people who are just cartoonists who are drawing inspiration from pulp stories and from classic mythology and then the second generation the sort of like silver age marvel generation are fans of the golden age um and then they're doing that and then you have like the bronze age they're fans of like kirby and lee and so you have like claremont and wolfman and all those guys and then um the 90s is like people who are inspired by the Bronze Age. So I think, I, I mean, I completely lost what number that's supposed to be, but I think it's like, we're in like the fourth or fifth generation where you have people who are inspired by like the 90s and 2000s kind of drawing inspiration from that and then sort of putting that in. Uh, that's why I have a, like a lot of nostalgia for that and a lot of the books from, from DC and Marvel mm-hmm. respectively. So yeah, it's it's a weird thing. I feel like that's that's sort of what comics kind of are you have people who are fans of a certain generation and then when they have their time behind the wheel they end up you know kind of drawing inspiration from the stuff that they loved yeah it's does that mean that the generation a couple decades from now is going to be raised on nothing but nine batman books a week yeah probably (laughs) yeah it'll be something to think about that's for sure um, although, I mean, who knows? It could be like, you know, the, the generation that's like, oh, my entry into Batman was like Court of Owls or my entry into Batman was Batman Eternal or something like that, um, which, that's you know, I mean, respectable. So I'm sure people think would, about. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. people. Well, actually, there are people who are kind of like that now. Um, but um yeah no i'm sure there'll be a whole generation of writers who are you know like yeah that was that was my uh that was my gateway um and now i'm kind of trying to do something similar to that Mm -hmm. all right then with that we are going to get to brandon's last book for the week uh which is detective (laughs) comics number 1070 take it away good sir all right, yes, Detective Comics 1070 featuring our main story from Ram V with art from Stefano Raphael, colors, excuse me, from Adriano Lucas, and letters from Ariana Mar. This is part two of Gotham Nocturne Act One of the Grand Gotham Saga and continues exactly where we left off last month with. Uh, shoes meeting Grundy in the undercaves of Gotham City. Unfortunately, some of the um, the members of the Orgum family, the Orgum guards, have run into Grundy as he's now going on his rampage. Thankfully, he does not take out his anger and frustration on Shoes, but rather follows her off to wherever she's going to get help. Over at the gravestone of the Wayne family, Bruce is doing some of his classic brooding over everything that he has been going through lately and sort of this underlying idea that we've been toying with that perhaps there has been a demon that Bruce has been living with all this time, whether he knew it knowingly or unknowingly, still kind of yet to be determined, but I think there's this this feeling that it was always lurking under the surface. But while he's in the midst of brooding, he runs into young Ars and Orgum, 
who is trying to inform him that he may or may not be there to purchase the Wayne family land. And of course, Bruce is natural, naturally going to protest that, given that it's been there for generations. But Arzen informs him that really everything he's doing, part of this whole campaign, the reason why he's here, is that they have a tradition in the Orgum family of going off and doing a great work. And his father was a part of that. And now it's it's his time to do the same thing. Uh, but before they can get any more clarity on what happened, particularly when his father went up to do it, he has to go off and attend to some business, which I imagine is related to what's going on in the tunnels. Oracle, uh, at a rather convenient time, is filling Bruce in on what Cassandra has found underneath the tunnels, specifically the people that have been moved there from the Narrows. Uh, and Batman decides that enough is enough. He needs to have some answers on just what the hell is going on. So naturally, he goes after the one person who he suspects knows more than anything about the Orgums and their move to Gotham City and everything. His old flame, the maybe love of his life, Miss Talia al Ghul, who decides to sit him down as he is just mowing through all of the... Uh, the League goons, um, and, and Talia's like, look, supply is limited these days. I don't need you going around breaking fingers, okay? Um, why don't we just come inside and talk? Uh, and uh, thankfully they do before Bruce can do any more damage, and Talia sits him down to tell him a story of the king of the Orgum family as he went off on his own quest, joined by his trusted aides, some of which we've already met, Niang, Gael, Shavad, and his most trusted ally, the one whom I assume he trusted his very life with, Mr. Raish Al Ghul. Gasp. Um, we cut back to the clock tower where Oracle, <laughs> I know, seriously, where Oracle is still trying to figure out what is going on with the mysterious tunnels and and ley lines that are underneath Gotham while she has an encounter with a mysterious man in a green jumpsuit who kind of looks like Stickman from is that a Spider-Man villain? I forget. Isn't there like a character called Stickman who's like an all black oh, suit? Oh yeah. Uh, uh, do you know who I'm I talking about? Who yeah, I know who you're talking about. I don't remember what he's I, from. I, I'm like blanking on the name. Yeah. Yeah. Um oh my god. I feel like I need to I'll find it later. But anyway, um, yes, so she has an encounter with a mysterious man, kind of looks like Stickman, but basically informs him that, or informs her um, that what uh, she had been looking for is not quite there. She doesn't have all the pieces, but they are there to fill in the blanks um, because they are part of a secret organization that knows everything and can figure that out, and they have their own geniuses at play. And naturally, Oracle is suspicious of this because if you have this information, why wouldn't you just do it yourselves? But she decides that, or I guess the mysterious stranger decides that it's better to leave it in the hands of the people of Gotham City to avoid coming into conflict with the Batman uh, but basically gives them an ultimatum that if they can't figure it out, um, the vigil, the mysterious members that have been working in the shadows of Gotham and possibly other places as well, will be back if Batman cannot clean up his own mess, and they will be handling it much more lethally than he would. Um, should I go straight into the backup, or do we want to chat about this briefly? I mean, uh, I think this part deserves a little bit... Oh, all right. <laughs> oh, because I mean, the, back, the backup okay. short, right? The backup yeah, that's short. What I'm okay. just, you just punch it out. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. No. Backup pretty much just continues the story of Doc Mead, 
who has been undergoing experimentation by Dr. Freeze. Uh, oh my God, Mr. Freeze. I guess he is technically Dr. Freeze, but yeah, I don't know doctor, why. Yeah. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Um, <laughs> it's a Gotham but Freeze thing. is lashing. Yeah, um, but Freeze is lashing out because his experiment appears to be a failure, and he's really treating it like a child would. Mead believes she's seeing things as she has mysterious voices speaking to her ear, or speaking into her ear. Um, but thankfully, before the situation can deteriorate anymore, she's visited by the strange kid who has been hanging with Jim Gordon, decides to free her, but also seems to be acting a little strangely, treating her as if she is a lot younger than she is supposed to be. Um, and I'm sorry, I also forgot to mention who wrote the story. That is, of course, Simon Spurrier with art from Casper Weingard, letters from Steve Wands. Uh, so, yeah. Um, uh, I guess we'll just kind of focus on the main story. Loved it. Still absolutely phenomenal. Um, the connection to Rachel Ghoul. Like, I was expecting it, but I, I honestly didn't think he was going to be a part of the Orgum family. So that was kind of a genuine surprise. Um, so seeing, right. I mean, I, I kind of knew it was coming when they teed it up, but when they were really just like, you know, the final guy, his most trusted ally, Ray Shuggle was like, oh shit, here we go. I was expecting like maybe a rivalry or they had had some encounter in the past, but to find out that, you know, Ray was a part of his inner circle was, that'll be really interesting to explore next month. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and then, of course, the underlying idea that, that we've been toying with for a while that I'm, I'm like patiently waiting for them to explore more of this idea that Bruce has been wrestling with a demon for potentially all of his life. Like, a, I mean, maybe not a physical demon, maybe just a metaphorical demon, but also potentially a physical demon. Who knows? That's sort of been lurking in the background, pushing him closer and closer to the darkness until eventually he just gives in and becomes the beast of the night um, that he believes I, I, he might I immediately th I immediately thought that it was Barbados. It could be, yeah. It's it's hard to say. Yeah. And it would make sense because I, I believe it was a Wayne ancestor that tried to summon uh, Barbados um, back in the 1700s um, in... I gotta reread Dark Knight, Dark City, but uh, in that in that original Pete Milligan, Kieran Dwyer story, so it would make sense if there's like this Wayne curse that's kind of been haunting him um, all this while. But yeah, no, super stoked for that. Uh, honestly, just phenomenal issue as usual. Um, not surprising considering this team. Um, I, I will say I liked Stefano Raphael's art in GCPD: The Blue Wall. I don't love it here. It's not bad, but I think just compared to what we've been getting from Ivan Race and uh, Rafael Albuquerque, it is a little bit of a downgrade. The colors are really great, but everything else is like there are some panels that are kind of they look unfinished. Um, but aside from that, um, just really loving this issue and, and super excited to see where it goes next. Oh, yeah. Oh, too. and I gave this yeah. issue an uh, 8.75 out of 10. I gave the backup, like, I mean, I enjoyed that too, honestly, so I'll just give the whole issue an 8.75 out of 10. Right on. Fair enough. For me, man, this 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 felt like normal Batman, like Scott Snyder Batman, or, or earlier, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. even says it in the book. Uh, the way he talks to the bad guys, the way he talks to Talia, um... Or maybe like even maybe even like Batman in the '90s. 
Uh, one thing that I don't like about the issue is the changing of the font during the flashback. I'm getting tired of that style of font. It's just a personal thing. It's probably just me, but I'm tired of the... I've, I've, I've come to calling it the Joker font. Um, the introduction of this arc-like castle and the vigil has me interested because of the way that it was set up. Uh, vigil number one, Ram V. Sumit Kumar. Uh, that comes out May 16th, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh... The, man, the, the art is so good in the first part. Raffaele and Lucas work really well together and for this kind of story. Um, but I'd, I'd like to see them on other stuff, maybe Action Comics or Superman or something like that. Uh, this Ooh, feels like the beginning know. of the end of this whole storyline from Ron V, stretching back a while now. It was a slow build-up, but it's super enjoyable. Uh, the demon, Barbados, or whatever, uh, or whoever it is, um, been with him since his parents were murdered. That's a really cool idea. It makes sense, and it's cool to add it to the Batman lore. Um, first part gets an official hell yeah. Uh, as far as the backup goes, it looks good. It's interesting to follow Freeze independently. The race... Um, connection is pretty badass and uh yeah. what happens next with the two new introductions of sorrow and um crap creepy ear music dude that, that's what i'll call them i mean other than a good wrap-up i'm wondering if these characters will be sticking around but uh, this fucking issue was awesome man i gave it a 9.25 out of 10 i had a really good time with it fair enough um I, I had a bit of the opposite effect for some of it. There was parts I, I really enjoyed. I thought, oh, this is really cool to see. But there's other parts that just feel like like the story's been going on a long time. And it almost feels like it's stalling for time for whatever reason. Like, I'm not a big fan of mysteries or detective stories that just go on and on and on. And that's probably why I don't watch a lot of cop dramas because it's it's ten, tends to be one long mystery over an entire series and i just can't handle a long long show like that um so I, i'm not having as much fun with it as you guys are but there are some parts that i i really like uh like that part with with arzen and bruce in the cemetery just having like a almost a, a battle of the minds in a way and getting a bit of the history with the Orgums and, and Talia dropping that bombshell with Rachel Ghoul. And but that and I'm gonna call it like an after credit scene <laughs> with Barbara and <laughs> and um the vigil. I thought that was that was really cool to see. Like they're really setting up these characters as something major in the universe, let alone just their own book or in detective comics. It feels like they're they might be popping up in other places too. Uh, so that that was really cool to see. Uh, the backup, I'm kind of just bored with, to be honest with you. I'm not really that invested with it. You're not a fan of creepy ear music, dude? Uh, not that I'm not a fan. I just I don't really <laughs> care. I don't really, yeah. That might be the most interesting part. The whole thing with Mr. Freeze I could give two shits about. He's So far, pretty much there, yeah. He's he's got himself in the doghouse because he fucked up his marriage. Like, uh, okay, <laughs> do something about it. Don't just regress, you know. Um, right. Yeah. 
that's just me though. I, for the whole issue, I gave an eight point two five out of ten. Still looks beautiful. Um, still interesting. I just think it's taking a bit too long, and the backups could be a bit more interesting. Well, fair right. enough. I guess before we cut to commercial, you want to let Brandon give his uh, top three and favorite moments, I was just going to ask if we wanted to do that. Yeah. No, I uh, I guess I can. Uh, over at number three, I had a book that we actually didn't get to cover this week, um, but uh, one that I actually really enjoyed, uh, much to my surprise, and that was... Harley Quinn, number 28. Really uh, fun um, new start for, for Harley in this, much more than I, I thought it was going to be, uh, backup included as well. Uh, number two, though, I had Detective Comics, number 1070. Still just really loving this story. But at number one, I will have to give it to another book that uh, will not, or I, at least I will not be here uh, to talk about this week, and that is Action Comics 1053, which... Top to bottom, just excellent story. Still super invested, and the last page in particular is really going to set off some bombastic things, which I'm sure you guys will get to very soon. Right on. Um, Indeed we will. I am curious about your biggest stinker, though. Mm, if you have um, one. I, I didn't really have a biggest stinker. Um, I, I was shocked to see that Tim Drake Robin was on our honorable mentions for this week because we flushed that book, and I'm not. I didn't read it, um, but I was surprised. It's not one one we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Thank God it came Um, out. That's pretty much honorable mentions. Yeah, it's it's there so I can remind everybody how much it sucks. (laughs) That feels like a waste of time. uh, No, I didn't really. Public service announcement. Yeah. Like I said, if someone took a shit on the floor, I mean, I don't need to You'd tell remind people everyone not to step in shit it, on right? the floor. I guess so, <laughs> yeah. But honestly, I would rather just clean it up and not have to deal with it. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I didn't really have a biggest stinker this week. I will say the weakest one was probably um, Lazarus Planet Revenge of the Gods. Um, again... Um, not a bad issue. I feel like my biggest complaint with the series so far is it's just kind of boring. Um, like it's it's really not that interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and even this issue and last week's Wonder Woman tie-in and the first issue, like it it just I I'm just like I don't I don't really care. <laughs> like I I kind of it's a book that I feel like I I have to read, and that's the worst kind of book because it's not so abysmally bad. I want to see how much worse it gets. Um, but it, it, it's like not even good enough to keep me interested. It's just there. Um, so yeah, that's probably my biggest stinker. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, I, I am curious. That's hilarious. I to bring it up. And I'm, I, uh, I can't wait for you to hear my reviews. They're almost completely opposite of yours. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Except for just, action just, comics, but. Just before you go, though, I did want to bring up during the show, because I did finish off the as, as many books as I could before, and I did read uh, two on the bus ride home today, including Tim Drake, Robin number seven. I am curious, because honestly, I it's still it's not great, but I didn't hate it as much as the first arc being like a whole new story. I actually wasn't, to me, it wasn't that bad, so I was curious what you guys would have thought. 
I haven't got I didn't a chance read it. to poke I'm not my head at it book. yet. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's I'm fair. I'm not reading it. I I figure if it's going to ten issues, I'll at least give it the benefit of the doubt and see what the next story arc would be. Um, it, honestly, it's as like there's no big mystery. It's not that bad <laughs> in comparison to the first arc, and the art's a hell of a lot better. So, I'm not saying we bring it back. There's there's fucking three issues left. There's no point. Right. Yeah. But uh, I I would I would say give it a check out at least. Maybe don't oh, spend I, much I, on it. I read everything <laughs> every week. I even read all the Bendis shit and all the Tom King shit. Is I can't help myself. I'm um yeah. I guess I'm a self uh self mutilator. <laughs> All right, Brandon, with that, I guess we will release you to the wild now. All right, then into the wild, I shall I shall run. Uh, but I will see you guys next week. Enjoy the rest of the reviews, and I look forward to listening to it uh, this weekend to hear what you guys think, especially Perfect. some of the uh, the ones we didn't get to talk about, like uh, action and, uh, and punchline and Waller versus Wildstorm. I want to hear what you guys thought. Definitely. Make sure you right. take a loaf of bread with you so you can find your way back. Uh, all right. Bye. Don't, 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 don't loaf on the way home. He's gone. Never mind. He's gone. He couldn't handle it. He can't handle it. He got three oh, good man. puns in today and it broke him. It broke him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, if there's no more puns to be had, I guess we'll take a quick commercial break. If that pleases Sounds the good. Court. Yeah. All right. Stay tuned, folks. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. And when I say us, I mean Josh and I, as you probably remember, Brandon has ducked on out of here because he's off being an Quitter. awesome musician. <laughs> Quitter. Quitter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Brandon, we love you, man. I hope you uh, have have a, have a have a blast at that uh, rehearsal. I'm I'm still curious about this musical. I want to check out the script and whatnot. Looks uh, likewise. Mm-hmm. But with that, we are going to get into the remainder of the books that we have this week. And starting off in our quick bite section, these are going to be a little compressed and a little weird. Uh, we have punchline the Gotham game number six. And that's going to be brought to us by Josh. Final issue. And here I am. Ding dong. Written by Teeny and Blake Howard. Are from Gleb Melnikoff and Kyle Rayner. Or, um, I mean, <laughs> I mean Kyle Max Rayner. Somebody has Green Lantern <laughs> on the mind. And for once, it's uh, not me. I was looking at the gold label again earlier today. <laughs> Colors from Louis Guerrero and letters from Becca Carey with the cover brought to us by Gleb Melnikoff. Um... I don't I like you. It's a beautiful figure. It is. Yeah. But, uh, I like Gleb Melnikov yeah. um, a lot. I agree. The cover is drawn well here, but um, I am not a fan of talking on the cover at all. And word balloons, no. Saying something about having six issues with no Joker, that's also that's also dumb. Um it's interesting the way that they have woven them into the story. I'm completely okay with that, and I want to see what happens the next time I pick it up for sure. 
But word bubbles on a cover, no, stop doing that, guys. Uh, as far as the rest of the issue goes, we begin the finale of this epic journey in Port Royal, uh, where it looks like the Royal Flush gang have decided Punchline is dead and they need new leadership. Two days later, Punchline wakes up and the Joker is stitching her up, stitching up her gunshot wounds. Um, though it's it's two days later, well, as Joker says, fifty-two hours and twelve minutes. Why did it yeah. take that long? <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, oh, that Joker, such a prankster he is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Punchline doesn't kill him when she wakes off, and she takes off. She takes off after Black Mask. At this point, as far as the Joker is concerned. He, in, in his dialogue, he has both insisted that he is the real Joker and admitted that he is not, and admitted that he is not in the course of just a couple pages. Uh, but I suppose we'll get more of that later on. Um, let's see, where was I at? So uh, Punchline takes off after the Black Mask. He's at the port, so, so is the Royal Flush gang, so is Punchline, Bluebird, and Batman. Um, there's also nearly the entire neighborhood near Ace Chemicals that are there because they're all addicted to XO now from the factory explosion. All 3,171 of them. What is up with these exact numbers? Um, in any case, shit is going down. Uh, don't worry, though, because Bluebird and Batman disperse the situation with a little bit of butt-kicking, the Batmobile's riot control protocols, and a loudspeaker public service announcement. <laughs> no shit, I promise. Punchline and the leaders of the Royal Flush Gang escape to be continued in the pages of Catwoman. Gorgeous art, man, and it's been a great story arc the whole series. Um... But while this was kind of fun, the wrap-up felt sloppy. I, I like everything that happened, but I think the actual climax to this thing was a little disappointing, a little too fast. Um, ultimately, I guess, I guess my problem is that the fight sucked. You know? Um, it's like there's a fight, oh no, and then at the end, everything is... Everybody's caught. There's, there's, there, you don't even really see the conclusion to the fight. You just yeah. like look at the next panel and everybody's caught except for the three people that can continue the story to go on. I mean, it was just, it was weak for me, man. Um, so I was a little disappointed. I'm not grading the whole series here, just this issue or the score would have been higher, but I have to give Punchline 6 a 7. Fair it was enough. a disappointment. Damn. Um, I, th I thought it was a blast. <laughs> no, it was, it was fun, but the wrap-up, man. Yeah. Good. I mean, because it's, it's not essentially a wrap-up. Because uh, it does say more to come in the pages of Catwoman. Or see more of, of them or whatever in the pages of Catwoman. So it's telling, telling this side of the story while it has been crisscrossing into Catwoman as it is. And if I remember right, Sydney Howard's writing this, right? And she's writing Catwoman yes. as well. So there's yes, definitely going to be a lot of lot of intertwining. Um, very, very heavily 
um, connected right now. So uh, while it may be the last issue of this series, definitely not the, the end of the story. So that's that's why I I didn't really mind so much that it uh, it was very open ended. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, and it did have a lot of doors closed. The Royal Flush Gang is kind of in shambles. A lot of the real assholes are dead. Um, some in very brutal ways, like Nave. Not Nave. Um, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, God, what the hell was his name? That dickwad that was after Cullen. You know who I'm talking. I don't um, remember his name. Bluff. But Bluff, yeah. He got electrocuted into a skeleton. That was wild. <laughs> fried his ass down yeah. to the bone yeah. it was a ronson grill set it and forget it <laughs> <laughs> holy shit <laughs> um fucking ronson oh my god uh, in, in all my years i never thought we'd ever get to a point where we'd be referencing ronson <laughs> <laughs> I thought that shit oh, was pop dead. culture. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I didn't hate it. I honestly didn't. Um, for especially as someone who went into this initially with issue one, with very little expectations and pretty much expecting this to be pretty bad, um, I had a right. quite a quite a good time with all six issues, and it just got better as it went on for me. Uh, so getting to the last issue now, six issues in, I thought it was really good. Um, really, really good art, interesting plot lines, uh, for a character I care very little about, uh, and actually made me care a bit about the character a bit more, um, for her status in Gotham City. I thought it was quite interesting. And the title, The Gotham Game, by the end, just makes perfect sense. She's playing a game for Gotham yeah, to control it. Sure it does. It's... She to to quote um, Josh Sagara on Arrow, she's ten steps ahead, and they don't even know what game she's playing. It's, mm. it's just really well done. Um, Eight point seven five out of ten. I need to me. know. I need to know who this real Joker is, and I have a feeling yeah. that the reveal is going to be tied to Punchline in some way. Possible, but we we that's all going to be in at least supposedly is going to be in the man who stopped laughing fingers so, crossed fingers crossed hopefully soon because i i don't like drawn out mysteries like this <laughs> so far it's been, it's been pretty drawn out <laughs> that's um, all that there is no ending a story now all of it is to be continued in yeah. this other series exactly <sighs> anyway uh yeah, um, eight, I'll say eight point seven five, but I'm actually gonna dock that uh, quarter of a point to eight point five out of ten for just making black masks somehow look worse. Oh my god! Right. <laughs> I wish. I okay. At this point, I wish Selena didn't burn the black mask because ever since that <laughs> happened, he's looked so Holy freaking crap. disturbing in every appearance. <laughs> You can say that. I again. don't want this. I want the skull mask back. <laughs> I we need Roman need to look the more. The skull mask back. Oh my god! I need him to look like Christ. At this point, the leather daddy mask would be more welcome. I mean, slightly, but fuck no. <laughs> I don't want to see that either. But this I, is horrifying. I, 
I don't need Tobias Funke as Black Mask. <laughs> I don't Fair need enough. Daddy Likes Leather. <laughs> oh, Maybe man. he's just a big Judas Priest fan. <laughs> Maybe he's just really into BDSM. There's no telling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's BDSM maybe it's Maybelline I don't know <laughs> maybe uh, it's Maybelline oh god uh, yeah so okay 8.5 final score <laughs> punchline the Gotham 8. game 5. we hardly knew ye uh, but we will definitely know ye a bit more going forward in the pages of Catwoman looking forward to that and that's our quick bite section for the week. Um, yeah, very quick. <laughs> Since pretty, we had one pretty quick. Up. Yeah. And we're now moving on to our spotlight section. But hold, please. Rob is not ready. He's so professional. Oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah. One second. We are moving on to Waller versus Wildstorm. And as I pull up the book. I will be vamping a bit. Uh, this is written by Spencer Ackerman and Evan Narcisse with art from Jesus Marino. Inks from Vicente Cifuentes in pages 21 to 31. Also, I think I say it every time. I fucking love that name, man. That's just a badass name. Vicente Cifuentes. I love saying it. It's a cool name. Love it. Colors from Micah T.A., letters from Dave Sharp, and a very nice cover from Jorge Fornes. Uh, so we open up on Gamora in the final days of the Cold War, uh, which I believe would put this somewhere in the 80s. Uh, Lois Lane is there reporting uh, to... or in a... Oh, God, what the hell's the word? I am so bad at remembering words some days. Interview. That's the word. <laughs> in an interview there you with a Gamoran warlord... Uh, who is vowing to take down uh, basically a banker who was the daughter of the warlord that ran the country before, or the dictator that ran the country before, uh, and does not trust this person and thinks that she's going to be the end of the country. So this warlord is uh, determined with their army to take her down and take the country back by any means necessary. And as I said, Lois is on... Uh, um, assignments, doing the interview there to get as much information about this potential war as possible as she is at this point uh, technically a cub reporter very new to the Daily Planet yeah. reporting to Steve Steve Lombardi who is at the time the deputy foreign editor uh, so she is doing the foreign pieces and uh, in true Steve Lombardi fashion is giving her the roughest time possible as her, essentially her boss. So <laughs> it's not been great. What a douche. Um, yeah. Dickwad. Um, yeah. Dickwad. No matter what version of Steve Lombardi, and this is something honestly I appreciate, no matter what version of Steve Lombardi, he's always a dick. Whether he's the, the sports reporter or he's a executive editor or he's just a fellow reporter. He's just a douche. And that's all you need. You need that douche in the office. And that douche is always Steve Lombardi. And I appreciate that. Give At least he's... If I could say something nice about Steve Lombardi, at least he's consistent across the multiverse. 
He knows his place in the, yeah. in the omniverse. And his place is dick bag. Being a douche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so as Lois is trying to argue with Steve over how to progress with her story, she wants to go in one direction. He's like, no, nah, it's it's not the story. Just go simple. This is boring. Uh, and she's like, no, nah, there's more here. But he's like, no, nah, fuck off. Um, she is opening a letter that uh, was delivered to her hotel room, which is sent by none other than um, a Jackson King. And quite honestly, this is a, a book I, I was really hoping Brandon would be around for. I know you know a lot about Wildstorm, but Brandon seems to be the Wildstorm Matrix right now. And I oh, was, dude, he's a librarian with damn yeah. near everything, and yeah, I was really know, looking. Forward I mean, to I picking defer to him on most this. shit. So, yeah, I, I was really looking forward to picking his brain on on all the Wildstorm stuff in this. Uh, so hopefully, maybe next week we can do a redux on it. Uh, and see what he thinks because I was I was really excited to get his, his views on this. Um, oh yeah, so Jackson King has left a letter for Lois Lane to meet him at a nearby restaurant where he will be until it closes. Uh, and so she rushes out to go meet him uh, 15 minutes before the kitchen closes. So there's not uh, any place for food, but that's not what she's there for. She's there to talk with this character. Uh, otherwise known as Battalion. Uh, he proceeds to basically be a bit of a whistleblower on government uh, goings-on and tells her a story about a friend of his that was murdered um, one year earlier uh, during uh, an invasion of, Af of, of Afghanistan uh, and involving checkmates and uh, Stormwatch, which he was a part of. Um, he makes his way to the uh, checkmate base in Afghanistan. Oh my god, I can't say it. In Afghanistan <laughs> uh, to find this missing friend of his and comes across uh, an old teammate in winter uh, who he gets into a brief scuffle with before he is interrupted by none other than Amanda Waller, who at the time is fairly new to running the, the base at checkmate. Um, very early on in her own career, she talks him down and agrees to have a sit down with him and just talk about what the hell's going on. Uh, and he uh, lets her in on his mission, why he's there. He has reason to believe that um, Winter is the one that killed his teammates uh, and wants revenge on Winter being an ex-teammate himself. Uh, and is there for that purpose only. And Amanda is trying to just talk him down, but instead talks him up and talks about how uh, she and her family looked up to him when she was younger. Uh, he was like a big hero, and it was a great honor to have someone like him in power and at the Stormwatch satellite and just being a, a great presence for the community. Uh, meanwhile, this is all shrouded in a lot of government stuff, uh, espionage and shit, and, and eventually we get to some stuff about uh, a Black Ops team, um, which features the usual... Um, God, what's the name of the team? Wow. <laughs> what's the name of the book that we're reading? It is Stormwatch, right? No, it's not Stormwatch. No, With this Grifter. is Wildstorm. Wildstorm. Yeah, no, but the the team that Grifter's on, oh my god, Wildcats. 
Wildcats, thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, essentially looks like a, a bit of a Wildcats team, but this is also where I was going to depend on Brandon because I am not brushed up on Wildstorm. Um, but this, this team uh, with Grifter and a few others also includes Deathstroke, surprisingly enough, giving the crossover. Uh, they were tasked with what looks like uh, six months prior to the meeting with Lois Lane, um, basically destroying a village in El Salvador uh, and taking a young metahuman uh, far away from his now-deceased family, uh, to which uh, certain members of the team were not particularly happy about after they found out what was really going on, and that their Imagine main mission... That. Yeah. Uh, their main mission as they are stealing, essentially kidnapping, stealing uh, young metahumans from their families and destroying everything else in their path. Uh, these young metahumans are being experimented on and turned into weapons. And, you know, people don't really appreciate that. Namely, one Jackson King. Um, Amanda talks and, uh, I mean, yeah, at the, the oh, checkmate base, so many organization getting confused uh, at the checkmate base uh they come to an agreement and as they go out uh the team at large on the checkmate base along with one adeline kane is there and in true amanda waller fashion just switches on a dime to full-on agents and uh gives the full brief to Adeline Kane about what's going on, what uh, in Jefferson true Amanda King. Waller fashion. Yep, uh, in uh, in true Amanda Waller fashion, uh, what Jackson King's uh, reason for being there is, and just basically betraying him right after gaining his trust. Uh, so really messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Lois, however, is not quite grasping, uh, at least to Mister King's idea of what the story really is she sees a story about the government basically running uh, lots of shadow ops and stealing people and fucking things up and they're the true enemy where uh, Jackson King is saying no 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 it's Amanda Waller she's the villain but Lois isn't seeing it that way and they come to uh, uh, butt heads about that uh, to the point where Jackson King just gets up and leaves says look have your agenda uh, even with a fuck you Lois Lane he walks off uh, mm-hmm. and basically closes the interview off right there Lois uh, as I mentioned is still very early on in her reporting job so she gets really worked up pukes her guts out because she's so nervous and is pissed off at herself for essentially ruining her own story uh, wishing she just learned how to shut her mouth but as we know, uh, she does not learn how to do that. I've tried 43 said, years to learn how to shut my mouth, and I haven't heard it yet. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's hard. I cannot figure it out, man. Yeah. But for, for Lois, though, she, she, as we know in the future, she learns how to use that uh, super power for herself and ends up using it to become the best reporter in the world. Um because honestly, That's sometimes funny. It's I use mine to, to, to make the best podcast in the world. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the issue closes out with Jackson King leaving the restaurant and at a rooftop across the street is none other than Deathstroke himself 
on comms with Waller saying, you're not going to believe who just walked out of that restaurant um, with eyes on Jackson King as they go. So for this being a black label book, I always go into black label books, not expecting much um, because it's sometimes it's just gratuitous violence and swearing. Uh, Other times it's a really deep involved story that can be interesting and, and really test your, your, attention paying skills uh and this Same is way. somewhere it's in the either middle complete hit or complete miss usually yeah. almost every single time yeah uh but this one i think did a good job of writing the middle like it's it's not 100 a hit but it's definitely not a miss um i i think it's really good it did have me hooked in the first few pages uh, i wasn't sure what to expect i thought this was going to be like a 90s brawl of uh Suicide Squad versus Wild um, versus uh, Wildstorm, but not quite. It's actually really deep. There's a, a big mystery unfolding here. There's a lot of players on the board. There's a lot of espionage and tactics and mystery and government bullshit and bureaucracy and uh, this person's a douchebag, but you know this person's also double crossing. Like, oh my god! I'm like watching That's James good. Bond with superpowers gonna be so fun it's it's gonna be so great closing that last issue yeah because i have this feeling that it's just gonna be a great book yeah Um, definitely uh 9.25 out of 10 quite honestly i I thought it was really good the art was really really good story is very interesting it's it's a hit i gave it a 9.25 as well um just like you said holy 1990s batman (laughs) um this was such a good read i was not expecting the way back machine didn't look into any of the solicits uh so i was caught off guard but in a good way um waller just starting to run checkmate lois lane is a rookie reporter stormwatch broke up seeing Wildstorm. i mean this was great it literally felt like one of those stories from way back thrown in today's type of book and i friggin loved it man um, I love looking at it too. It's got such good art. Uh, I will definitely be reading the next issue of this series for sure. Sign me up. Like I said, nine point two five out of ten. Right on, my friend. So that was Wallet vs. Wildstorm. We are getting onto a book now in our spotlight section, and yeah, it's not number one, but still spotlight because it's a technically event miniseries. Really weird. Raina did mention it earlier, and this is Lazarus Planet's Revenge of the Gods, number two. Josh, number take two? it away, good sir. Number two. Written by G. Willow Wilson, art from Cian Torme and Emanuela Lupacino. Colors Jordi Belair, letters Pat Brazil, and a cover from Gillum March, whose name I still think should be used for a comic book character. Issue two of this <laughs> series starts, I mean, right? <laughs> Uh, it starts out with Billy Batson running from some bullies, and he stumbles upon some giants. So naturally, he yells Shazam and turns into the captain. He fights until Mary shows up and then changes back into Billy, saying that he needs to find out what's going on, what's causing all this. While running, he's zapped by some kind of something and is told that he's in danger now by some kind of yellow lightning version of the negative man from Doom Patrol. Anyway, um, that yellow lightning version of the negative man from Doom Patrol 
uh, tells him that he's in danger now, more danger is coming, and that the answers he is looking for are all on Mount Olympus. Also, there's a handy travel guide waiting in Washington, D.C. to take him there, so that is where he goes. In Washington, D.C., Yara Flor and Cheetah, as a part of the current checkmate, are fighting off hydras while Billy gets on a bus to go around the city to find the unnamed, undescribed guide. Uh, let me make that clear earlier. Uh, Yara Flor is not a part of checkmate, but um, Cheetah is. Anyway, yeah. so he meets um, uh, this hooded dude on the bus, and they talk a bit before the bus is attacked by Orthros, the giant two-headed dog. Um, hooded dude takes the fight to Orthro. Billy turns to the captain again. Yara Flora shows up to help finish the fight, and then they take off to Mount Olympus to confront the gods after Yara shows extreme doubt that he will be any help. The Billy, that is. They show up in front of Hera, and she laughs at them when uh, when the captain says that uh, when the captain says that they are there to make them pay for their crimes. She laughs at him. Why? Well, the wizard that granted Billy his powers is there as a bad guy, and he strips Billy of all of his powers after telling him that his sister is better. Um. Good, man. Like, really good. Yeah. Everything from... Man, it's been a while since all of these elements started happening. It's all been heading towards being wrapped up, and it's so good right now. The action scenes are great, and the pace is fantastic. The story has been pulled, like, all the way in. I mean, the art is so, so good in here. Colors included. I'd love to see Torme more often with Lupacino colors. This is... I've said it a million times already, but this is just great, man. Best thing that has come out of the Lazarus Planet deal. And hell, uh, Teen Titans Academy and Wonder Woman as well. I guess all I can say is right on. G. Willow Wilson handled this just as well as she's been handling Poison Ivy. And uh, she's wicked good at this stuff, man. I gave uh, Lazarus Planet Revenge of the Gods number two a 9.25 out of 10. What about you, Rob? Fair enough. Uh, I still don't get why it's called Lazarus Planet, but <laughs> but it's it's nope. interesting enough. Just yeah. a label to throw on there, I guess. I guess it's the um, only thing I can come up with. Excuse me. Uh, I'm I'm really I, I, showing this. Uh, I I never liked the way I worded this. I didn't know how to word it, but I still don't know how to phrase it. I wrote it down as showing this insecure side of Billy is a joy, and that's not proper. <laughs> I think joy is the wrong word, but I hope you get what I mean. It's interesting. It's different for me, I think, for Billy. Um, oh, Billy. Yeah, and I, and I kind of like it. It's uh, It shows a, almost a bit of growth in Billy, <clears throat> um, where he's spent his, his time as, as uh, Captain... Shazam. It's got so many names. I don't know where to go. Um, I don't like the captain. Okay, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't like it, <laughs> but we'll get to that. Um, he's, he's just been kind of like living as a kid, you know. So he's he's very um, into it and very very brave about it and very confident 
but to see this side being a little less confident about things is is very interesting. Um, I think my favorite part of the of the story so far is the inclusion of the wizard because I'm curious just what the hell is going on with him. He's always been a bit suspect as a character, uh, right? At least over the past, <laughs> especially the last, as yeah. of late. Exactly, yeah, especially recently. Um, so, just what the hell's going on? Uh, I honestly do think uh, this could shake up DC as a whole, depending on how this ends. But For sure. Knowing the, the how things are going with DC, I have the feeling it won't. Um, which would be a shame, because if there's ever a story that could actually shake up the DC Foundation, it could be this. Even just slightly. well, I mean, if you remember, I mean, this is this is potentially Wonder Woman getting taken out of the picture in one way or another. She has ascended to godhood. So yeah. she may no longer be a part of the Justice League. And with that weird active members lineup that I found of the Justice League of Prime Earth, um, we don't have any Trinity on there. I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm going to list these real quick. And it kind of blows my mind about the members that we're going to see here. And there's quite a few, but... I, I really hope that we get to see a lot of these on some new team that is just, it's going to, I have a feeling that the book will be really well if there's any merit to this. And it is on League of Comic Geeks, so hopefully. But we've got Jackson Hyde, uh, Ted Cord Blue Beetle, Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, Dr. Light, Flash, Frankenstein, Frost, Harley Quinn, Mr. Terrific, Robin, Supergirl, Superman, John John Kent, for those of people out there, um, and uh, Yara Floor. And, man, if that wouldn't make a really badass team, I I don't know, dude. That would yeah, be awesome. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah. For sure. Um, but other than that, if this doesn't go anywhere, it's going to be... Oh, I'm going to be very, very mad. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, oh, we'll see where it goes. It, it could could go somewhere very interesting. Could go nowhere. Only right. time will exactly. tell. Right? Um, yeah, if I didn't give my score, which I don't believe I did, 8.5 out of 10. Uh, not bad. Not great, but not bad. All right, not so that is... Exactly, it's not Spider-Man. Uh, so that is our spotlight <laughs> section for Spider-Man has sucked lately. I wouldn't go that far. Have you been reading it? Oh, I've been reading people bitching about it. Oh, yeah, okay, that's fair. I'd be surprised if you were reading it, especially especially knowing how much it sucks. Because <laughs> I, I, I've been semi-reading it I'll say I have not read any issues since Dark Web ended and I'm not sure if I want to continue um, it's not great <laughs> it's, cer- it's certainly it's, not amazing it's not there <laughs> there you go no. no it's it's certainly not amazing spectacular fantastic or invincible but it's possibly irredeemable Definitely not superior. No, no, definitely not superior, and and in in, in factually not incredible, and hopefully not immortal. 
Or sinister. Or sinister, yeah. <laughs> it's quite possibly uncanny, though. <laughs> it definitely could be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, Brandon I think would that, be rolling that's... his eyes right now. <laughs> he'd, he'd come up with some obscure one, because I think there's one we're missing. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mighty. Yeah, that's it. Mighty Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Friendly neighborhood. Friendly, yeah. God, I'm moving out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm moving across town. I'm getting away from this book. It's, it's, Jesus. Yeah. Like, I I say this often enough, and I know it had its, its problems, but I honestly miss the Straczynski run. And that was like 20 fucking years ago. <laughs> yeah. That was the last time I seriously enjoyed Spider-Man. That was like the last time I really enjoyed Marvel with the odd exception of the latest Moon Knight run and some of the Hulk yeah. stuff. It's been pretty good. Yeah. Immortal Hulk was honestly fantastic. Uh, yeah. And this current that's Fantastic the one I'm Four run. About. I've, I've yet to, to see anybody else's opinions on Fantastic Four. I know I keep bringing it up on Discord and nobody says anything. Uh, <laughs> but I'm loving the hell out of it. So I I don't know what the general opinion is, but I I know I really like it. It's a lot better than I'll uh, have to give it the, a shot. The last Fantastic Four, I think Ryan North. He, I, it's it's really feels like a a love letter to Fantastic Four as a family as characters. It seems like he really gets it. Is Franklin in it? Kind of. I if I answer okay. that question properly, it'll spoil some story. So <laughs> I am not. All I right. will not answer that question. Okay. Yeah, it's it's but interesting he's what he's doing. I hate it when they forget about him. No, no, he's definitely not forgotten. He's definitely not Take forgotten. Yeah, that's the yeah. only thing that matters. Yeah, they they do kind of take this book into a classic feel, uh, pre Franklin in a way. Uh, but that's all I can say without giving away anything. So, okay, you got yeah. me interested. Check Classic it out feel, <laughs> Fantastic Four is. I think the last time that I enjoyed Fantastic Four was FF. Oh, at the Future Foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Same with me. That that's the last time. I'm not a big Dan Slot fan right now, so <laughs> uh, uh, and that started with AS. He's always so. been. I mean, I know he's huge. I know he's like a legend, a living legend, and all that. But um, he's always been hit or miss for me. Yeah, I like him as a guy. I like him as a person. He seems fun. Oh, I've never met him either. I just see see some posts on on social media and whatnot. He seems like a genuine fella, but I just I'm not into his rating so much. <laughs> it's not yeah. It's not bottom of the barrel, but it's 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 not amazing, spectacular, superior, invincible. Well, he's also the last person alive that I'm aware of that does the Marvel method. So he's not even actually writing it. He's just like giving stage play directions. Oh, really? Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, it's messed up the way that the Marvel method is. You'll have to look it up, but I want to say it's something like he writes a script, sends it over to the artist, the artist takes their time, they draw all the pictures, they basically decide what's going on in the panel if 
it, if the if the instructions aren't in Dan Slott's script, and then they send it over to the letterer who comes up with the dialogue after reading the script. Yeah. Which to me is not writing, but hey, whatever. Yeah. Not gonna poop on people's favorites. Well, yeah, I will. Oh, who am I kidding? That's cheating. That's not writing. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. Before yeah, I piss so any more people off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the DC show after all, so I guess we'll get back into some DC stories. Uh, with our full dive section for the week, starting off with a jumping on point for all you new readers out there. This is Harley Quinn number 28 with a brand new creative team and an exciting one it is. Written by Teeny Howard, the legend herself. With art from Sweeney Boo, <laughs> Sweeney Bootastic, and letters from Steve Wands, despite what it says on the cover, uh, a person with the last name Henderson, not sure who that is off the top of my head, uh, but the cover is wrong because no, never mind. on the inside it says letters by Steve Wands. Maybe the inside That's wrong. been happening who, a lot who knows? lately. Yeah. You know, the inside credits weird. don't match the cover credits. And it seems to always be the letterer. Mm-hmm. You think the one thing they'd get right is their own name? It 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 was an artist <laughs> once. Oh yeah. Oh shit. That's pretty bad. Brandon caught it, and I couldn't remember. Yeah. I can't remember. But Brandon caught it yeah. when I when I said one person's credit, and he says no, it was this other person. But I forgot. Anyway. Uh, anyway, yeah. So this is Harley Quinn number 28, jumping on point. Like I said, uh, definitely check this out if you're point. interested in Harley Quinn going forward. Uh, we jump into Harley jumping at Two-Face, uh, where he's shooting off his Tommy gun, and she's swinging a big hammer, and they seem to be at a carnival uh, because they are embroiled in not really a gang war, more of a prank war in a way. Or at least to Harley, it's a break war to Two-Face. It's, it's an actual war. Um, for some essentially unknown reason, um, I think they, they do get into it a bit, but they don't really allude to why this is happening specifically. Um, but they go back and forth. One of them just bumps into the other or, or finds the other one, and they just start fighting. Um, but Harley always seems to get the upper hand. Uh but she is definitely missing Ivy uh, and at her apartment that she shares with Ivy she's just kind of reminiscing about the old times feeding her pups um, and talking about all the stupid shit that Two-Face keeps doing Uh, but the next day after winning the previous fight with Two-Face and reminiscing as I mentioned she meets up with Kevin but she's very distant um and I'm happy to see Kevin in the book again, that he's still a, a player in it, because he's he's honestly an interesting character. Um, he's, he's trying to get some point across about how he's uh, joined a community college, and he's trying to tell a story, but she's just completely distant on her phone, um, trying to show him some stuff about the fight previously but he doesn't care he doesn't want to know anything about it and he thinks she's wasting her life again uh but she's taken it the wrong way uh, which is unfortunate but before he's, they can he's get almost uh, 
he's almost turned into like the sane side of Harley. Yeah, realistically, yeah, he's 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 really like her conscience. Um, but in true Harley fashion, she's not listening to it. Uh, <laughs> before they can the way really uh, resolve anything or get to the point of of the the conversation they're having. Uh, the cops show up, uh, knowing that Harley is inside, uh, but also two faces inside the same restaurant, uh, where Harley and Kevin are just trying to have breakfast because two face haven't found Harley. Uh, everyone's evacuated. The cops have the place surrounded, uh, trying to take down the costume criminals that are stirring up trouble again, but Harley kind of just walks out after two face says, look, you're impressing me with this, uh, as much as you're pissing me off. Uh, but I do believe in the power of two, so why don't we be partners? <laughs> and she says, what the fuck? And just walks out and gets herself arrested. <laughs> uh, not intentionally yeah, trying to get arrested, though. She's just trying to come out peacefully and tell the cops that Two-Face is in there. He's the one you want. He's the one causing all the trouble, ruckus, and breaking shit. I'm just here to eat my breakfast. Uh, but she gets arrested nonetheless uh, because they believe Oops. that Two-Face and Harley are working together despite the fact that that is not the case and nobody believes her. Um, as it turns out, uh, this was kind of Kevin that uh, let slip that they are potentially working together, uh, making the cops arrest Harley because he thinks it's the best thing to do uh, to set her straight and teach her how to basically smarten up. Uh, and at her trial... Uh, she's not taking things too seriously, so the judge is asking, what the hell are you doing with your life? Um, but besides that, Big maybe question. maybe a different type of punishment is in order. As the Gotham City Community College is in desperate need of professors, we figure some community service might do you some good instead. So she's going to take her psychology degree and become a college professor. That's a bit of a twist. Uh, at Gotham City Community College, she's actually doing quite good as uh, as a professor, believe it or not. But she does enjoy this uh, a bit unknowingly, but at the same time, a bit knowingly too. And her class, while she's not one hundred percent on on the ball of having uh, students, she is enjoying it in certain ways. But before um, she can get too deep. As always, uh, there's some intru- uh, not in- uh, interruptions uh, by none other than Two Face. Dumb asshole his... driving a car. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, right through the window, uh, right through the wall of the classroom in his Two Face car, which, in true Two Face fashion, one half is gorgeous, the other half is fucked up. Um, yeah, Jesus, I so didn't he... even catch that. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was at one point, like, she takes her mallet and, and hits the car, and he says, hey, that's the good half. <sighs> Got to keep oh, that pristine. Yeah. Damn. But quite honestly, dude, you just drove it through a freaking wall. It's not pristine right? anymore. <laughs> let, there let, is no good half. Let's get real here. Yeah. Uh, so they get into a, once again, a bit of a scrap. Uh, but Harley's looking for uh, an upper hand because Two-Face gets his hands on her hammer and takes it away, and he's swinging wildly, but she, off-panel, sees something and grabs it and swings it at him, and it's a Jokerfish, seemingly out of nowhere, um, but she believes it's not really real, despite the fact that it took Two-Face out. Um, 
cops show up, arrest Two-Face. She thinks she's getting fired. Uh, but honestly, the school needs her because they don't have a choice. <laughs> the cops aren't going to arrest mm-hmm. her because she, she ended up saving the day. Uh, so she heads home after the day is done with the Joker fish still there. Um, thinking she's having a psychotic break because there's no way it's real. Uh, and while she's trying to control herself and maybe calm herself down so the fish goes away, instead she is met by Tashana, known as Lady Quirk, uh, multiversal princess or queen. They don't really go into that very well. Um, family of Earth, uh, the royal family of Earth royalty. 48. Yeah, multiversal royalty is a good way to put it. Uh, they're part of the royal family of Earth 48, and... Uh, she is there to basically reprimand Harley for taking the fish from outside of the multiverse or outside of her world um, away from a hero that needed it in a grave moment. But since it is now gone, this hero, uh, this warrior, uh, no longer has it. And the battle he was destined to win uh, is now being lost and things are irrevocably changed. But... Uh, Tashana does not believe that Harley has no clue how this happened. She had no clue uh, how she got the fish. She had no reason to do it, uh, and it kind of just appeared. But honestly, that means nothing to Tashana. She leaves with a dire warning that if it happens again, uh, she risks destroying Gotham or destroying the entire Earth. Um, And that's that. So that's the first issue. Uh, Harley's kind of screwed in a big way uh and she has no clue why or how and i think that's freaking wild so for a first chapter in this new creative team really well done uh feels like a different harley at first these team changeovers can occasionally be rough uh but it doesn't last long that rough feeling it's it hits the ground running um stumbles a little bit but picks itself up and just keeps going I'm looking forward to the future of this team and the future of this book. I, th- I thought the story was really interesting. The art was really good. Sweeney Boo was a welcome addition. Um, this multiversal ability Harley apparently has really out of the blue. I don't think this has been done before for Harley. Um, bit of a mystery. Nope, it's I like a uh, mystery. What's I'm their name? Deathlock. Who can summon weapons from anywhere? Oh, um, fucking, yeah, I know. No, that's not Deathlock. That's Marvel. Deathlock's in Marvel, yeah. Dead, not, I always want to say Deadshot, but it's not Deadshot. Deadshot's replacement in James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Bloodsport. Bloodsport. Thank you. Yeah, that guy. Like Bloodsport, but with Jokerfish. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What a shitty power. Yeah. Um, uh, So, honestly, 9 out of 10 for this book. I thought it was really cool. I'm excited to see how it goes. I, I, I really liked it. Um, and there is a, a little interlude back up at the end. Uh, if you're a fan of manga, you will recognize the inspiration for this. It's it's a one-off story. It's really cool. Uh, it is drawn and written by Erica Henderson with letters from Hassan Asmani El Hau. And it's titled, Lovely Angel Harley Quinn. And if you know anything about um, basically Sentai or 
Sailor Scouts, you you will enjoy the hell out of this. I won't even get into the story of it because it's it's wild and wacky and involves Poison Ivy and Catwoman, uh, and it's it's just a treat. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, yeah. So fuck yeah, the whole issue nine out of ten. I liked it. Josh, what did you think? Because I'm starting to ramble. <laughs> um, first part, uh, Sweeney Boo. Uh, man, I love her art, and I will never get sick of it when it's attached to the right kind of story punchline. And then Harley Quinn, it works here too. It just works for these books, and uh, they, she draws them so well. And okay, like Harley is a college professor. What could go wrong? And I hope she keeps that job. I, I really do, because I can only see it getting weirder. Um, this shit is just silly. A little fourth wall breaking, which I want to stay forever in the book. Um, it's it's great Harley writing. Exactly the kind of... Um, how do I... Exactly the kind of functionally weird that I want to see in a Harley book. Um, yeah. She's gonna... Harley will get the world blown up if she does something. She doesn't know how she did one more time. Can you get any more Harley Quinn than that? Howard yeah, and Boo, go team go. I gave it a 9.25 out of 10. That part. Hell the yeah. backup. Um, with the exception of crotch face being said a couple of times, I feel like this was meant <laughs> for a six-year-old... And I didn't enjoy it whatsoever, story or art. Uh, it felt like the a very, very poor impression of DC Superhero Girls. Um, oh, let's backup? see. Yeah, didn't enjoy it whatsoever. Was, it, was, it was really just a parody of Sailor Moon is all it was. I don't think it's meant to be taken seriously at all. <laughs> yeah, I just... Maybe yeah. it, maybe if Holly had read it, I would have picked that up. But I I, w I wasn't a Sailor Moon watcher, so um, I didn't. But uh, for, for me, somebody who wouldn't have picked up that reference, I thought um, I thought the lettering was great. Three out of ten. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. No, I gave I the mean, you, I, you, you so get, because you get that of that. I end. gave the yeah. Um, what. Says, uh, don't don't stay up all night watching 90s anime you weeb basically <laughs> i didn't even is. pick that up see i didn't put i still didn't put the the connection there but um with the backup i dragged the score down a whole bunch even though the front half was really good um the last half was horrible uh i wanted to give this a six just because of math but i am gonna give it a seven Fair enough. So that is Harley Quinn. Right on. Uh, all right. So with that, we are moving on to Action Comics. Woo. Number 1053, our last book of the week. Uh, and Josh is going to tell us about that. All right. Uh, three parts as usual. Here we go. Um, part one, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art Rafa Sandoval, colors Matt Herms, letters Dave Sharp, and a Steve Beach cover. Uh, the Superfam is still battling all, all of these new Metallo clones that Metallo made. Uh, 
He's, um, but he, Metallo himself is attending, uh, attending remotely. I can't talk today. Um, at least not right now. He thinks that Superman is the one that took his sister because that hologram, which may or may not be real, told him so. Kara gets hit hard by a, ba by basically a self-destruct mode among the Metallo clones. And, uh, Kryptonite is everywhere in her bloodstream and all. Connor rushes her to Kellogg's uh, while the rest of the superfam tries to help but not before questioning Clark about how he wants to save the one clone that didn't die and I get it uh, he explains that it's for second chances so that those people get a chance to do better seems legit I dig it anyway mm -hmm. Next, we find out that the message from his sister wasn't real, and it is a hallucination, when Superman visits Luther in jail. Luther won't tell him anything, but that if he's hearing voices in that particular suit, they need to find him, and fast. Metallo's hallucination... Jeez, Metallo's hallucination tells him the new body is made of war world alchemy and that's why he's changing and he admits to the hallucination that he can't tell what's real anymore which i find kind of funny <laughs> um yeah. admitting to a hallucination that you're having hallucinations suddenly the fake sister shows her true colors and reveals that they are fake while showing him his real sister who is suspended in air connected to a bunch of tubes and wires and she's aware of everything the no longer a hallucination man this is it's getting hard to keep track of um so it's it's like some kind of program or some kind of consciousness or something that's in the suit um but anyway that says to um to metallo that unless he kills clark and his entire family they're going to use Metallo to rip his own sister apart. Meanwhile, Clark is at home, and John asks if they can play Coney Ball soon, whatever the hell that is, as an attempt to spend some time alone with his dad. And then that's when Clark suggests that they bring the twins and teach them. Alone time denied, and it really bums John out. He's being a bit jealous of the attention that everyone else is getting, especially the twins. With Osul's help, he realizes what he missed during his vacation in the volcano, that that's where those feelings are coming from. Uh, so they finish talking and uh, find that Otho is missing. She shows up on the news at the site of a fatal explosion, wearing her super suit as the one who caused it. Otho Dunn lost her mind. Um, this first part, man, since they're all three are pretty dense. Um, phenomenal art as always. This is some really, 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 really good stuff in here. Sandoval never disappoints, but this is top shelf stuff. And the two-sided action within this I, I don't know like 20 pages or so it's fleshed out and crammed in nice and tight uh but the pacing is so fucking good that you don't even realize how crammed in it is it's such a good issue so far a damn good arc too 
Oh, and so, I mean, I guess Keenan has moved to Metropolis. He's been hanging out a lot. But uh, other than that, yeah. 9.5 out of 10 on that part. And uh, What did you think of the first section there, Rob? Uh, deep. Like, holy shit. <laughs> this, this story is, is fantastic and invigorating. It's interesting. The stuff with Tracy Corbin's fucked up. Uh, what's happening to... I was going to say Baron Corbin, but... <laughs> I've been watching too much wrestling. Um, too much John wrestling. Corbin. Yeah. What, what's happening to John Corbin is also fucked up, but... God damn, that sucks for the Corbin family. Um, Clark's passion is invigorating, too. It's, Rough times. It's, it's just... It's always great to see Clark be kind and and passionate about humanity as a whole you have these people that are are down because of whatever the hell's going on with corbin and just trying to kill them but he still insists on trying to help them and i i really respect that um yeah i i didn't i don't score those stories individually anymore i probably should still but i feel like i can eh, just score the it's whole just book. something i do yeah um, All right. Well, part two then. Um, yeah. That, oh, did you have more to add? Uh, just, uh, just the bit with the, the twins at the end. Like that doesn't. Yeah, it's like not, that came was, out of nowhere. It was Otho, right? Or also, yeah. I'm getting confused about which one's which. No. Whichever one that that's going psycho oh, is that the oh, one that had the power of Olgren, the whatever at the end of the War uh, Saga. No, that was the boy. That was Oso, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. So it does look like Ogren's power going on there. <laughs> a little I mean, bit. I could be wrong, but yeah. We'll have to tune yeah, in we'll next see. time. <laughs> All right, part two it is then. Written by Dan Jerkins with Lee Weeks on art. Elizabeth Brightweiser on coloring and lettering by Rob Lee. Like last issue, Doombreaker is at the door of Lois and Clark. He was drawn there for some reason, and he's looking for something. Superman shows back up in time to sock him super hard, demanding to know how he found them. Lois suggests that he was drawn to the location, not them, and that seems to be the case. She says that right before we get confirmation that John is gone. Cut to John and Princess Gliana of Paloon. Uh, where they are being held in a cell that John busts them out of as soon as they're alone. And then they run into their captor, who I think is named Kilmac, or is a Kilmac. Uh, anyway, John runs right past him and tears out the ship's uh, gy- uh, gyroscope with the intent of messing up the ship's navigation system. Oops. Now the ship can't fly, and they are all plummeting back to Earth and their deaths. Good going, John. <laughs> right? So, um, Weeks kicks ass, Brightweiser kicks even harder ass, and so does Dan Jurgens. In the short amount of pages yep. we get, we're getting a pretty darn good story and art, and I'm saying this when I completely oppose the entire idea of this when I heard about it. I can't wait for next month. I gave this section a nine out of ten too. I 
I am pleasantly surprised to hear that. <laughs> I, re- yeah. I really am that you're that you're enjoying this, because um, I I've been no stranger that this era of Superman is honestly one of my favorites during that Lois and Clark time. Um, the story with, is good. I'm still not a fan of a being young John, but the story is good, and as yeah. long as it doesn't make the universe convoluted, then I'm okay with it. No, I. The fact that it's even called Lois and Clark 2 tells me it really is just a sequel to that miniseries, in a way. Uh, and I'm more than okay with that. I really enjoyed that miniseries. I, I felt that was that was a portion in, in Superman's uh, more recent history that we didn't get too much of a chance to play with before everything just got turned around. Uh, hey, they fresh, before fresh you carry on... Yeah. Before you carry on... Um, I, would just, I wanted to bring up just a couple things because you reminded me of it, and I just wanna mm-hmm. just wanna share that with you. Um, I've been checking out some movie and TV show news, but let me touch on it real quick. Uh, Superman and Lois, because you just re- said Lois and Clark. Um, right. I don't know if you've checked it out yet or not, man. But new villain, good villain. The new John is much better than the last guy that quit, and uh, oh, wow. Lois, man. Um, Lois this is the series finale and not everyone in the Kent family might make it in the end like legitimately so uh, so far so good I'm bummed it's ending I wish it would move to max but I'll be damned if this doesn't look like it's gonna be a mother I don't it's gonna be great I I have full confidence in that It, it already seems that way right on yeah, Sorry. I still haven't really watched it. I, I kind of, honestly, I fell off the Arrowverse hard. I, I just, I got this is completely separate. From that it is, but like completely still kinda, different for, for kind me, of storytelling. I haven't gone into anything because I got so fatigued from from the Arrowverse itself. There's just too much shit and too many shows. I just couldn't keep up, and I kind of just stopped. I was really only well, watching Legends because it wasn't really superheroes. <laughs> that that see, that that's what I'm here for. I read all the shitty yeah. books and tell everybody about them, and I watch the shitty TV shows too. But yeah. uh, Superman and Lois is is definitely not one of the shitty ones. Um, no, no. I've been watching Gotham Knights, and it's like gritty CW. It's way yeah. closer to the first season Arrow than to anything else in the CW superverse, if that makes sense. Um, I still hate all the changes they made, though, and I'm I'm far from sold. But two episodes in, and uh, I'm I'm not saying screw that show yet. Fair enough. So if you're curious about those ones, you check those out. Definitely, uh, Gotham Knights. I'm on the fence about, but I definitely want to check out Superman and Lois. It does look very very good, and I like. Um, Elizabeth Tella and Tyler Hochland. I think they're really good in their roles. Oh my, she's, me and Holly both 100% agree that Elizabeth Tulloch is the best Lois Lane ever. I can definitely see that. The The little bits I have seen of her is fantastic. I mean, fantastic. She's the best part of that show. And for it to end the way that it looks like it might... Oh man, Lois is she gonna be going through some shit, dude? But uh, oh, 
Uh, that's enough for movie and TV. Let's get back to the last part of this book. And right. that is part three. Now it is time for Power Girl. Did I? Did you ever finish getting to talk about part two? Um, or did I just interrupt you fully? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I like all it, right. though. Yeah. Basically, is all it is. Yeah, me too. Um, so, again, now it's time for Power Girl, written by Leah Williams, art by Marguerite Sauvage, and letters by Becca Carey. Uh, so, uh, Power Girl is still inside John's mind, and they are looking for something out of the ordinary, but that's all they have to go on. Uh, Power Girl knows it because it's going to be similar to the Black Rose when they were in Kara's consciousness. We get more reminders that Power Girl is not close to the Super Family from Power Girl herself, and it's honestly beginning to start a li- start to sound a little whiny here. Um, that's when John gets the psychic attack, messing up his language as well. John knows a buttload of foreign languages, alien included. He basically can just look at a language and know it. But uh, after he breaks free of it in his mind, he tells them that he can't with this one. That's when they find out that it's not linguistic, but mathematical. It's also when we find out that Power Girl is not going by Karen anymore. Just Power Girl. But now Omen... But now Omen has shared the nickname that she gave her with John, and they're calling her Peach. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, that's a nickname, I guess, because Peach likes John's suggestion of Paige. Power Girl is yanking out the lines of mathematical code from John's head, and she gets to the end of it, and there's a mask on the end. As Power Girl picks it up, Omen screams for her to wake up. That's because of who showed up. The big reveal? It's too bad Brandon's not here because he was 100% right. It is Johnny Sorrow, and it's going to be continued in the Power Girl special coming out May 30th by the same creative team. This is Savage's home, man. Um, yeah. these characters, this, this story, these kind of, yeah, this is where her art belongs. I don't want to see it floundered in a Wonder Woman backup. I fucking love this here. And I am totally caught up in the story, a complete reinvention of Power Girl. And everybody knows that she needed one. Um, hopefully all of this complaining to each member of her family will lead to her being around them more, or at least being more present in more mainline stories. Honestly, I think this whole new therapy role stuff could lead to a lot of cool stories. I'd like to see more of it altogether. I gave this back section a nine point, or nine out of ten too. I gave the entire book a nine point seven five. It's just, it's, it's awesome, man. Right on. Um, yeah, this Power Girl backup I really enjoyed as well. Uh. It's beautiful. Like, yeah, Marguerite Sauvage's art is fantastic. Uh, this, excuse me, this team of Peach and Omen is, is really well done. Kind of out of the blue. Uh, I know I've said it already about the stories in the past. I, I think they're a really good team. They need their own mini series after this. Um, at least a mini. 
because uh, there's a lot of potential here with the story, I think. Um, loved it. Full book. 8.75 out of 10. Uh, between the main story with John's backup. Uh, I think what I was saying before was just one of my favorite eras of Superman with uh, the black and silver costume hiding in Hamilton County. I thought it was really cool stuff. And P. Genoman. The only two grapes I have, and this is another thing I was hoping Brandon would be here for because I wanted both your opinions on my grapes about this. Um, okay. So the, the first gripe is is kind of just nonsensical. Uh, the, the whole thing with, with Power Girl not really caring about the name Karen, I, I get it, but at the same time it's kind of weird because, yeah, there's Kara from this Earth or Zero, but then and she was Kara from Earth 2, but it was still her birth name on Krypton like that's still mm-hmm. who she is just on Earth 2 so it's I, I completely get and I uh, can sympathize she... with this whole like the, this alienation from the rest of the super family on, on Earth 0 but the whole name thing mm-hmm. is kind of weird to me I'm not against her having the name Paige like, be whatever identity you want to be that's cool it just, it just feels weird like out of place like why would she hate the name Karen all of a sudden well, kind of, unless, I think unless you're that... trying to get away from the whole Karen meme I don't know <laughs> Well, <laughs> I mean, maybe, but I I think it's uh, I think I think it's part of the complete reinvention of the character, um, and it makes sense the way that they're approaching it. Uh, Power Girl has been in our universe for quite a long time now. Yeah, she's separated herself from that life that she had, and she is sick and tired of being um, that other Supergirl. And, uh, you know, for the character to be worked into an even bigger, you know, the super fam family growing even larger, um, they're going to have to completely reinvent her. And Karen, Kara, or Kara, it's it's really close. So, I mean, I don't have a problem yeah. with the the way that they did it. Peach, from Power Girl to Peach, from PG, you know, to Peach, and then Peach to Paige. I think it worked out pretty well, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, that's fair. As long as it leads to more Power Girl stories, I, I think I was saying I hope it leads nothing, to more then... uh, more Power Girl and Omen stories. I think they make a fantastic yeah. team. They need You're at no, least a mini series right. together. Yeah, and this whole concept of of being the the kind of psychic help squad for the hero community is such a great idea. It takes the, and I, I will I will cite this, and I might not be the only person that thinks it takes the best parts of Heroes in Crisis and makes it better. It's Heroes in Crisis done right. Yeah. Nobody dying. Exactly. Yet. I always say yet until the story is done. You <laughs> shut your dirty mouth. No, I don't see anybody don't dying. Don't do that no, this, this, this story seems a little too lighthearted so far. Um, my only other gripe, and this is something I've been waiting, honestly, I've been waiting for this issue to come out so I could bring it up because I, didn't, I, I figured it out since the last issue, uh, over the past couple of weeks, I, I, I realized something I didn't like, um, what is that? Been hold, I've been holding off for the next issue of Action Comics to talk about it, and that's the new costumes for the family. Oh, I fucking love them. <laughs> they, I fucking they're love cool. Them. They're they're really cool. I like the designs. I think they're all really cool, and they all look really good in them. But 
not only do they they all pretty much got new costumes recently like john had a newish suit even over lazarus planet his costume got updated and kara had her costume from woman of tomorrow uh so those costumes are now just kind of dead in the water which is a shame because i really liked uh kara's costume from woman of tomorrow um but this this new leather jacket look as cool as it is i feel it detracts from the the style that connor had because that was his style that well, was that was part of what helped him stand out this is only one of her outfits john has a new outfit connor's yeah. If I'm not mistaken, he's going to have or already has a new outfit. I think he's going to have. Um, but no, Supergirl herself yeah. is going to have several outfits. And yeah. um, what she's wearing is going to be reflecting her mood. That's the plan. She's That's got fair. several costumes. So the next time you but, see her, it might be in a... It, she's got a suit that looks almost identical to John's. That's fair. That that's fine. But even just the fact that they all have leather jackets is kind of. Let me let me quote with, and I hate to. I always every week I do this. I bring up Green Lantern. I feel awkward. <laughs> I can always reference Green Lantern. There was a conversation I saw in the last month, on about Green Lantern about the costumes and people are going on and on about Hal's costume. And how, you know, mm. the classic costume was the best costume. It's the only costume that matters. Don't update the costume. It's perfect. Uh, and there's always white talk boots. about white boots and white gloves and nonsense. Personally, <laughs> I don't care about any of that shit. Because to me, one of the best parts is every Green Lantern costume is different and I can respect it. Right? That's what makes it so iconic. White boots looks is... silly. I mean, it's cool to see it show up for a throwback. Yeah. But, I mean, come on now. Yeah, it it does stick out like a sore thumb, and and some of the best stuff for the Silver Age had him in green boots. But at the same time, it's it's kind of looks like the silly. governor of Florida. Um, but but the thing that that one of the points talking points I saw in one of these conversations is that when it came to at least the Earth Lanterns, they all had a specific thing that had them stand out. Kyle had his weird '90s mask and his full black suit. You know, uh, Jess has that weird eye patch. Um, Guy's got the leather jacket, and Hal he has the white gloves. Nobody else apart from Jess really has the white gloves, but Jess still stands out on her own, so she doesn't detract from the thing that makes Hal stand out. Um, and even though that's technically like the default suit, which became kind of retconned into Green Lantern lore, it's basic it's it's the standout thing for the earth lanterns for Hal. so when you take away the white gloves it's a little iffy or if everybody had those white gloves it doesn't have Hal stand out costume wise so that's the same thing i'm getting from connor if everybody's got a leather jacket connor doesn't stand out like he used to because he was the one with the leather jacket everybody else had the cape and the blue suits or skirt or whatever he had the leather jacket he was different he was an outsider even though he's part of the family that's that's my gripe that's where my my issue is but at the same time i do also like all the costumes they're really cool looking it just feels like connor's <laughs> melding in the background half the time when i'm looking at john and connor sitting next to each other i don't know who's who they, really it's really weird sometimes even even more so and this is honestly kind of weird if you have john keenan and connor in the same panel i have to think about it 
<laughs> well, I mean, I'm looking at it, you know, at a couple different panels here. And I've got I'm I've got uh Keenan is wearing his his Keenan jacket, which looks totally, you know, like Keenan. And then yeah. Connor's got his leather jacket on. Um and Kara is wearing the um the suit that's very similar to John's where it's not really like a leather jacket over top of it like uh, Connor's is you know I mean they're all wearing I guess button ups but um you know I mean I think it's different enough yeah it's definitely not like it's definitely not like trying to distinguish them from each other when JRJR was drawing them with Bendis yeah yeah, that's. But I get it. Uh, that's all personal great. preference stuff. But I, I dig it. Yeah, it's honestly just me. It's <laughs> I, I fully imagine it is just me, but that's just my grape. Um, doesn't detract from the fact that I, I still love the designs on the costumes. I think they all look super cool. That mm-hmm. was kind of a pun, pun intended. But <laughs> yeah, Pedumptus. that's a mild thing. That's a mild thing. Um, eight point seven five for the book. If I did not say. Uh, do you have any last minute thoughts for AC ten and fifty three? No, no, that's all right. it. All Nothing right, so I'm all done talking. Deal. That's it. Okay, but now we need you to talk because we're done our books. It's time to talk <laughs> about our top three of the week. Uh, do you want to start us off? I'm very curious. Yeah, dude. Um, I got three books that were so hard to decide for for uh for third and second place um unlike brandon and 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 i think you as well i really dug revenge of the gods i thought it was awesome uh so narrowly beating out detective comics and waller versus wildstorm is revenge of the gods at two and man i'm still 50-50, 50-50, Detective Comics or Waller vs. Wildstorm for number three. Um, I'm going to go with Detective Comics just because it's not Black Label. It's mainline. Um, but damn, that's a real hard one, all three of them. And then number one, obviously, is Action Comics. It's just phenomenal. It's hard to ask for something better. And... Uh, 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 my favorite moment, um, the part where uh, Harley grabbed that fish, a multi-dimensional fish out of nowhere, and smacked Two Face across the face with it. That was funny. But yeah. um, my favorite part was when Power Girl is in John's mind, and Omen tells him to visualize what he's saying so that they can understand him. Like he can visualize it, Power Girl can see it, and then they can understand him. And the funny part is, is that he censors out his own swear words in his visualization. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was hilarious. That was that was yeah. wonderful Superman comedy right there. That was great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was a good one. I forgot about that moment. Um my top three I thought was a very interesting choice even for me number three I had Harley Quinn number 28 a lot of fun number two Waller vs. Wildstorm 
Uh, Black Label's been on a, a hit run so far, and this is no different. And number one, I had Unstoppable Doom Patrol, runaway hit for the week for me. Um, went right in expecting just craziness and got exactly that. Uh, wasn't expecting fantastic stories, but I got one anyway, in my humble opinion anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's real good, and when anybody yeah. but Morrison thinks that they want to pick up that pen, I cringe. <laughs> this is done well, though. Yeah. Um, favorite moment, though, also from Doom Patrol, just the Chief giving nothing but logic and reasoning to Batman to the point that even Tim was like, yeah, she's got a point. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> right. we should just let her have this one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just, that was that was fantastic. Even Batman was just left, like, he had nothing to say. Like, <laughs> that's yeah, sound yeah. fucking reasoning. Well, like, <laughs> I actually can't relate to that. Yeah. All right, so that was our favorite moments. Now it's time for your favorite moments. It is... Uh, the biggest stinker. The biggest stinker. There it goes. Let <laughs> me try that again. All right, it is... <laughs> oh, we always I'll get it on take post. There we go. <laughs> that's that's the best part about post. You can always fix things. Um, did you have one this week? I'll speak um, about it. Harley scored the lowest, but only because of the backup. And you know what? I decided I'm not going to hold that against the main story because the main story was fucking great. Um. But you know what? What what will go here instead? I I just decided um, I'm going to put a conclusion to a six issue series that felt uh, it fell really flat and disjointed to me. Um, Punchline stinks sticks this week. Ew, the poo poo, um, and that's disappointing. I wanted it to be wrapped up, not no more of this continue to the next we're we're reading comic books we're not watching marvel movies don't make everything a transition yeah <laughs> fair enough um i i don't really have one necessarily uh cuz i was having a hard time picking one like even the books he i takes the kind of disliked i i didn't really completely dislike even tim drake robin i thought wasn't wasn't horrible this week uh still not top-notch story but it was kind of enjoyable and kind of touching at the same time uh and relatable to uh some certain like certain people uh so i fuck i don't know (laughs) if i had to give it to anything uh kind of unfair scoring i might i might um the only the only one I could possibly give it to is Star Girl: The Lost Children, but I also don't want to hold it against that either because it is the penultimate issue, and as we said earlier, penultimate issues are always kind of weaker in comparison to the rest of the story. So, or usually anyway. So I won't I won't hold it against it. Maybe I will uh, take some Pepto and feel better in the morning. Sounds yeah. good to me, man. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Little LA night love. 
one day we'll have a wrestling podcast and i hope y'all listeners out there don't mind the odd wrestling uh interlude between josh and i it happens. it's a lot of fun yeah deal with it exactly it's it's gonna happen you kind of don't have a choice that's the bottom line because not robot said so exactly give me a hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right well that's our show remember you can help support us by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash nar podcast check us out on twitter on instagram on discord and subscribe to our Substack for bonus reviews articles and more and as always there's only one way we say goodbye around here until next time be good to each other and don't be a robot NAR316 says you better be here next week.